0: So, um, those of you who just joined us, um, we've been going through the book of Proverbs in a short mini-series, looking at some of the themes, and I've tried to make this as practical as I can from God's Word. Um, and so we look at another few verses from God's Word in Proverbs chapter 30, and um, we're looking at verses 7 to 9. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 7 to 9. Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8 as well. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and a few verses here from verse 11 to 14. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11 to 14. These are God's words to his people Israel, right way back in history. Same truths. Verse 17 Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers, as it is to this day. Let's see who's been listening to the radio. I'm going to give you an ad, and I want you to tell me who the advertiser is, is, alright? You ready? This is the advert. I can't do it as well as them, but I'll try. You know those moments in life when there's an incredible opportunity, but you don't have the money to take it? It might be a super deal on Trade Me or a cheap flight offer online. Either way, you need money now. Not in a week. When you get your next... Not in a week when you get your next pay. Thank you there. (laughs) Hecklers shall be dealt with. Here's the crunch line. Great deals don't wait. If you don't have the money, you will miss out. The solution is easy. And then the advertiser's name. Who is it? Yeah? Moolah. So that's the ad. What's the big lie there? Great deals don't wait. And if you don't have the money, you will miss out. So what if I had it today? It would change everything. And so you go to Moolah and you pay high percentages of rents and all kinds of. All right. So another ad on the radio. And this was, um, I heard some financing guys talking. And they were saying that for the average New Zealander, if you want to have a comfortable retirement, you need at least a million dollars by the time you retire. Who's making it? Not me. You see, we're chasing that if-only dream. If only I had joined the dots. If only I had, then I'd be happy. That's where bucket lists come from. If only I could still do this, then I would die a happy person. Who wants to die a happy person anyway? It doesn't matter when you die. Or if only I could have these experiences, then I'd be a fulfilled, a complete, a whole person. Yep. The world feeds us this stuff all the time. I'm in travel business as well. Alright. That's the travel business logo. Come to New Zealand and have your dreams fulfilled. the, The ultimate travel experience. You can't live life without having been to New Zealand and experiencing what we have to offer. It is a beautiful place but it's chasing that if only dream. That I need something which will bring me fulfillment to make me complete. To be able to make me die a happy person. The writer in Proverbs says, stuff and rubbish. Worldly wisdom. That's what he's saying. So, who wrote this? It was one of the writers in Proverbs. Um, This time it's the words of Agur, A-G-U-R. He was the, the son of Jake, and if you want any more, there's no more. That's him. Agur, son of Jake. His prayer has been called the wise prayer of a weak man. And you'll see why. You see, because he also had a bucket list. But he had whittled down his bucket list to two things. All those things that he could have had or wanted, he had whittled down to two core things. I think of my bucket list and everything I still would like to do. He had whittled it down to two main things. He asked God to remove something and to give him something else. So let's look at what he speaks about. What is God to remove in his life? He says, Lord, remove from my life falsehood and lying. If we use other Christian language... Lord, refine me, refine me, purify me, take these things from me to make me better. Remove falsehood and lying from me, he says in verse 7 and 8. What does he mean by that? Falsehood, another word for it's deceit. Remove from me deceit. Remove from me the appearance of one thing but being another. Why do we do that? There's only one reason. It's for own gain. Why would I appear to be one person and I want to be another, I am actually another person under that? It's just for own gain. It's at the core of our beings because we are worshippers of me, myself, and I. At the base of us is pride. And you might be the best believer sitting here, the most holy person, but at the base of you is still pride. It rears its head so quickly in us. It's the one thing we're always fighting it. Pride. It's what Satan was cast out of heaven for. Isaiah chapter 14, you can go and read that, verses 12 to 15. He wanted to put in place himself in place of God on the throne of heaven. Pride. It's what the apostle Peter urges us to put away from us. If we want to grow spiritually, and that's the same theme we find coming out in these verses in Proverbs. 1 Peter 2 verses 1 to 3, this is what the Apostle Peter says. So put away all malice and all, here it is, deceit. It's the same word as falsehood. And hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up to salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Have you tasted that the Lord is good? Then says the writer to Proverbs, Ask the Lord to take these things from you that are at the core of your being. Pride, which exhibits itself, that sickness of pride, exhibits itself in the symptoms of falsehood and lying. When you see those in your life, know it is there. And Agu prays to, Lord, take away falsehood from me, remove it far from me, take it right away from me. What does that look like in our lives? I said I'm going to try and be practical. It's uncomfortable being practical. You see, it's that pretense of being someone you're not. It's that pretense of being a good Christian, when you know you're not actually a Christian. It's that pretense of being a good husband when you know where your thoughts go. It's that pretense of being a good person when you know what you do in your own time when no one else is there. Why do we do it? So that we will be well thought of by others. I need to be a good person. I need to be seen to be a good person by others. And why do we do that? Yes, we want people to recognize us, but what's at the base of that? Pride. My own gain. And pride demands that you're recognized by others. And so we're given to falsehood, deceit to achieve those ends. But there's a twin sister, it's an ugly sister as well, it's not an identical sister, called lying, that he asked the Lord to remove from him. What is lying? It's constructing answers to hide the truth. That's what a lie is. Or telling only a half truth. Or telling only a convenient truth. Convenient to who? Always to me. And that's not the truth at all, is it? What does that look like in practice? I'm very uncomfortable here. It's justifying that expenditure when it hasn't been budgeted for to your wife. It's taking that sick leave when you're not really sick during Rugby World Cup. You can't get past lying. It's saying to your boss while you've been late when it's not actually the reason you slept in a bit. It's traffic again in Auckland everyone believes that but Whanganui. it's that this time of the year filing that over understated tax return because you're going to get something out of it why do we do it our pride calls for it self-worship calls for it and there are many more examples. And the Lord could probably be pointing to something in your life that you know that He's pointing to. Pride at the heart of it. So the writer to the to Proverbs says, Lord, take these things from me. Take falsehood and lying from me. Well, how does the Lord answer that prayer? How does the Lord purify us from these twin, these twin sins and the self-worship? How does He refine us? How does He take the dross and the impurities from our lives? How does He do it? He turns up the heat. Scripture teaches that. He turns up the heat in our lives. He puts us through difficult situations in life so that we will depend less on our own cleverness, less on our own lies, our own deceit, less on looking after number one in our lives to carry us through and more on Him. He wants us to depend on Him. And so He drives us to a place in our lives where we can no longer depend on ourselves because we can't do it. We must depend on Him. And that's a really uncomfortable but a really good place to be at. We have to depend on Him. And yes, there's pain in that place. You see, God takes us to that place so that we will look to Him again. So that we will serve no other gods before Him. Not even ourselves. He wants to clear those blockages to godliness from our lives. And to clear those blockages, He puts us through a process where we have to depend on Him Completely. Because He will purify us completely. God never does half jobs in our lives either. He will never be satisfied with leaving some sin in your life. He is a holy God. If we don't understand that, it's because we don't understand what being a holy God is. He can't take any sin in front of Him. Not even the smallest one. He has to take those things from us. And so He will purify us. He will put us through the heat so that we look to Him and cry out to Him again and lean on God alone. And my friend, I want to encourage you today. God is so great. He is so mighty. He is so powerful. He is so all-knowing that there is nothing that you are into that He can't take out of your life. There's nothing that's too strong for Him to take away out of your life. There is nothing that you need to hold on to which is a falsehood or a lie because He can't take it from you. He is God Almighty. There is nothing and no one more powerful than Him. Anything can be dealt with in your life. And so bring it to Him. Lean on Him. Ask Him to take it from you and He will take it far away from you. He will remove it from you as far as the east is from the west. In biblical terms, that is, you'll never see it again. You never have to give in to those things again. Don't believe the lie. It's too big for God. He will purify you. Amen? Good Baptists. So that's the first thing. But I want to dare you this morning. Are you willing to add that prayer to your bucket list? Lord, turn up the heat in my life so that I would be more pure. You dare to pray that prayer? But that is a holy prayer. It's the prayer God wants us to pray. Because we are to be more holy before Him. We want to be like His Son. And the only way to get there is allowing God to work in us, to take those things away from us, and to give us His grace in our life. His love poured out on us. But grace doesn't coexist with sin. Grace must replace sin. Lord, make me less self-worshipping. Do you want to add that to your list? So that's what God has to take away out of his life, says this writer to the Proverbs. What What is there that he asks the Lord to add? Lord, Give me just what I need, he says. Verse 8. Lord, remove from me falsehood and lying, but give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food that is needful for me. Feed me with just the food that is needful for me. What is the Christian word for that? Lord, give me, starts with a C. Contentment. Give me contentment. Help me to stop saying what if. Give me contentment in my life. Give me neither riches nor poverty says. You see, he's not asking the Lord to be poor. He's not saying, Lord, make me poor so that I can be more holy. Because that's a fallacy. Because poor people shake their fists at God too. Poverty does not equal to holiness. And some in some religious circles that's taught. Give everything you have away and you will be more holy. It's not what scripture teaches. He's not asking, Lord make me rich. Because richness does not equal to holiness. You see, money and things are neutral. Money and riches are inanimate. They don't have life in themselves. A dollar amount can't describe the condition of a heart. That's a false gospel. Some people say that he's rich, so God must be pleased with him. Or, if only I had more money, I'd worship God more. Because I'd have to worry less. That's a fallacy. That's a lie. You see, when you add a heart which is wrong and a wrong attitude to inanimate objects, you get greed, you get covetousness, you get piety you get false humility. It's because the heart's wrong. And so he says, Lord, don't give me riches or poverty. But, he says, feed me with the food that is needful for me. Now, here's a brave prayer. Man, don't we suffer from obesity in this country? It's one of the biggest scourges that there is on the society. And many people struggle with it for various reasons. But here's a brave prayer. Lord, give me only the food or provision or money I need. Are you willing to pray that prayer? Only what I really need. You see, there's a great disparity between what I need and what I want. I know. God knows what I really need. How does He know that? Because He created me and He's all-knowing. He knows exactly what I need. And I know what I want. And God does too. However, what I want may not be what I need to grow spiritually. You see, human maths goes something like this: more stuff equals more happiness equals more holiness. That's false maths. That's like algebra I used to do at school. It was wrong. You see, where's the flaw in this thinking? He points out the flaw in the thinking. Agur says, He says, Lord, give me only the food or provision I need, only what what is needful for me, lest, here's the flaw, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? That's the reason. And there's a second reason, we'll come to that. Lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So what's the first of these reasons? Why he only wants enough for what he needs. You see, there's a direct link between the stomach and the eyes, in practical terms. Look what happens after lunch today. When you're fully satisfied, you say, ah, life's good. Come on. More seriously, when you have everything you need, the temptation is greater for self-sufficiency to render its ugly head. When I've got everything I need, I don't need God in my mind. I'm okay. I can look after myself. Look what I've achieved. Now, the Bible doesn't teach it to be wrong to be rich, as long as it's been gained lawfully. Because God provides the riches He gives to us. And hard work has its reward. reward. And again, it's not wrong to be poor, unless it's because of laziness. And Proverbs has plenty to say about laziness. We'll come to one of those. Because God provides even what you do have, He gives. So it's not wrong to be rich or poor. But here's the danger. As soon as I have plenty, I don't need God. Or my heart thinks, who is the Lord? And that's not a question, by the way. That's a statement of rebellion. It's not wanting an answer. It's telling God, who is the Lord? You see, it's that statement of rebellion which says, I don't need God. I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. Job sums it up like this. Job chapter 31, verses 24 to 28. This is Job, a man who had plenty. So much he didn't know what to do with it. And then he lost everything. He experienced riches and the loss of riches. And he summed it up like this. Job chapter 31 verse 24 to 28. Now listen carefully to these words. If I have made gold my trust or called fine gold my confidence. If I'm confident in gold or fine gold. If I have rejoiced because because my wealth was abundant or because my hand had found much. If I had looked at the sun when it shone, or the moon moving in splendor, note this now, and my heart has been secretly enticed, and my mouth has kissed my hand, this also would be an iniquity to be punished by the judges, for I would have been false to God above. So what's he saying? When I look at life, and I trust gold and riches, and I say, man, it's great to be alive. The sun is shining, the moon and I kiss my hand, in other words, I worship self, then, he says, I've cursed God. How often in our lives, don't we congratulate ourselves on what we've achieved, and forget God in that picture. God provides a brand new vehicle, a brand new job, a brand new house, a bargain price coming from Auckland here, And what do you do? Fantastic. Put that money in the bank. Yes, now I can live life. And I forget God who made it possible. Lord, give me only what I need. What is good for me spiritually. Not anymore. Because, here's the second one, lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Now this is a genuine fear in Agur, the writer. He fears that if he's poor, he'll be tempted to steal. He'll be tempted to take shortcuts. To not trust God. And then he'll bring dishonor on the name of God, not just in the eyes of people around him, but in the eyes of God. I'll either profane the name of God and say, who is God? Or, I'll be tempted to take shortcuts when I don't trust God. So Lord, give me just what I need, no more. Are you willing to put that on your bucket list? Are you willing to see what you have disappear because maybe God's giving it to others around you? Because it's not good for you spiritually. Are you willing to pray that prayer and undergo what God does in your life? As He turns on the heat to make you more holy. You see, what's on your bucket list before you die? What's, what is your attitude to what you have and strive for? Is it a what-if attitude? If I only had this, then I would be complete. I'd be fulfilled. Or is it, Lord, thank you for what you have given me. And Lord, help me to thank you for everything you give me and not to forget your goodness to me. Lord, help me to be less dissatisfied with my lot. Lord, give me a posture of dependence on you. Lord, save me from self-worship. Lord, save me from affluenza. (coughs) Because it's the biggest sickness around in our societies in the West. Affluenza. And there's no cure for it except In Jesus Christ. I'll tell you a story as we end this morning. A little boy goes with his mum to the dairy. And they knew in the neighbourhood and so the little boy walks with his mother into the dairy and there's this friendly shopkeeper behind the counter. And as they get busy leaving and the mum's paid, the shopkeeper says to the little boy, Hey, what's your name? Oh, it's Johnny Sue. Well, what, there's a bag over there with lollies. Just help yourself. Grab a handful. Johnny looks at the bag and gets all shy and he walks out with his mouth. So the man says, no, wait, wait. And the man gives him a handful of lollies. The second time they come there, Johnny, again, same thing. Shopkeeper says to him, hey, Johnny, how's your week been? Oh, it's good, sir. Well, grab a bunch of lollies before you go. Now, I don't want to... And the shopkeeper grabs him a bunch and gives it to him. Well, the third time this happened, his mother pulled it, she said to the shopkeeper, excuse me, sir. And she pulled the little boy out, Said she said, what's wrong with you? You're always so outgoing, now why are you so shy? He says, I'm not shy, mum. He's got a bigger hand than me. You see, there's a lesson there. There's a lesson there. We think we know what we need. We think we know what we need. But God's got a bigger hand than us. He knows best what we need. And He will give us what He wants to give us. And yet we cry for more. Lord, save us from ourselves. Save us from ourselves. Trust in Jehovah Jireh. Trust in Jehovah Jireh. He will provide what you and I need. Not more but let's not have that what-if with God. Trust Him. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, we're so quick to start looking over the fence at how other people are living life and wondering what if I also had that. I'd feel so much happier. Lord, save us from ourselves. Save us from that pride which drives that. Lord, save us from that sin in us. And Lord, turn up the heat in our lives and work out those impurities in our lives so that we would be more pure before You. So that we would be more like Your Son. You have promised that You've started that work in us and You will complete it. Lord, in that process, be with us. May we trust God when the pain comes upon our lives, when the hard times come on us, may we not start grumbling. May we trust Almighty God, the one who is all-knowing, the one that knows what He's doing, the one that has the master plan of our lives in His hand, the one that is fitting us for eternity with You. May we trust You, Lord. And Lord, when You do pour Your abundance on us, May we not always see what more we can get, but may we thank you for what you do give. Keep us thankful in that thanks to you. Amen.